Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have Annabelle Hurd, CEO of ARIA. And I've got to say, this was a banging chat. 10 out of 10, would do it again. Well, I reckon you've got a bit of a, a bit of a crush. I told you, man. I, I, I actually love Annabelle. She's so sick. Honestly, what did you think? That was an un- unreal episode. For anyone out there who want to talk about, like, changing industries, leading from the front, setting examples, the first female CEO of the Arias at, at an interesting time for the music industry, uh, just hearing her thoughts, and she's so cool. Honestly. Way cooler than us. Way, way cooler. cooler than us. Oh, that's 100% guaranteed. Enjoy. Annabelle, thank you so much for jumping jumping on and chatting with us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Um, my name's Annabelle Hurd and I'm the CEO of ARIA, music industry body that represents the record labels and PPCA, which is a copyright collecting society for sound recordings. Okay, so tell, take us back. How did you get into that? Because uh, you are the first female CEO of the ARIAs, so... I want, to, I want to learn how it all started for you and your background in TV. How did that, how did it all go? Um, how did it all start? My God. Um, so my whole career has been about kind of people, technology and creativity, um, creative people, disruptive technology and, you know, bringing those things together. Um, I started working in copyright. I ended up working in politics. Then I went to Channel 10 Um, And when I sort of started my career, the internet was kind of in its infancy and everyone was going, oh, my God, what does this mean? What's going to change? Convergence was like the big buzzword. Um, And then, yeah, over like 14 years at Channel 10, television went from five channels, you know, three commercials and the ABC and SBS to I think like 24 free-to-air channels now, let alone Netflix and all of the streamers and everything. So it completely changed. That was the world I was in. At the same time, music was obviously going through its own rapid change, I guess, which happened about 10 years ago when piracy and, you know, um, illegal downloading came on the scene and everyone just went, excellent, free music for all. And then the whole business model of music nearly completely collapsed. Um, So music had its disruption moment 10 years ago, but it's kind of come back now. I kind of looked at this job when it came up and thought it's a great opportunity to be in a new industry because I hadn't worked in music before with incredibly creative, passionate people. Um, Australian music is so strong and yeah, bring all the skills that I had from television and see what I could do in music. So it was exciting. It's a privilege to have this job. Unreal. I want to talk about like what, what makes you excited about the Aussie music scene at the moment? What, what are some of the people that are doing interesting things that have got you passionate about taking on and, and going head first into this job? Oh, my God. I mean, you can look at the very top end of, like, you know, some of the top artists in the world at the moment are Aussie. I mean, Kid Leroy is just completely smashing it in the in the US and everywhere. Um, Rufus is, you know, selling out massive shows in the US. Tone's second biggest stream single ever or whatever it was. Um, and then on the other end, you've got such incredible stuff coming out of, like, Western Sydney at the moment with young R&B and hip-hop artists that are doing things that are different and cool and they're on the way up. So there's those two things. I mean, I love dance music, EDM, um, and, you know, so many great Australian acts in that area. Um, So, yeah, there's just so much going on. And I think, you know, COVID has been so terrible for the music industry, but there's such a great energy now that we feel like we're coming out the other side 
um, and people just desperate to get out there and play and go to gigs. And so, you know, it's feel, it feels good. What about music and keeping up with all the trends and what's going on? I'm sure you've got a, a banging <laughs> playlist. How, how often do you consume tunes and, and try and keep up to date with everything? Because there's so many different genres. There's so many different great acts. I'm sure you're just flooded and I suppose it takes a bit of time. Yeah, I mean, I have always loved music. I've always had music in my life, you know, from when I was very young and I was roller skating around with my Walkman on and listening to whatever, Air Supply or something, God knows what. Um, (laughs) Olivia Newton-John, Xanadu. It's always been a huge part of my life. So it's always been there. When I was at uni, I lived in Canberra, I went to ANU and the uni bar at ANU was like famous at the time for getting amazing gigs. So, you know, I saw Nirvana, Sonic Youth. I mean, Violent Femmes. I saw Nirvana at the ANU bar. Uh, It was an incredible show because um, there were so many people outside and they were kind of pushing at the glass down the front near the stage from the outside and the whole glass pane collapsed inside into the into the uni bar and everyone just went in yeah that was a bit scary but um like you know never to be repeated show um but now yeah I don't know I listen to it whenever I can I have it on all the time um while whatever I'm doing but I do have the lucky opportunity to have people talking to me about artists a lot which is great I don't pretend to be you know across everything but um yeah I'm just really enjoying a lot of discovery at the moment too what about so, coming into the, you mentioned before, are you excited to, you've been in TV, you want to come in and explore a new industry. What were some of the things that either surprised you or were challenging early doors or things that you weren't expecting that uh, have come through? I was surprised at the lack of women in senior jobs. Um, TV is not amazing for that, but it's certainly a bit better than music. Um, the lack of sort of diversity and business side of the industry I was surprised at the structure of the industry. I guess I hadn't realised that it's like a lot of really small companies, um, sole traders, and then a few bigger companies. But even the big companies, like some of the ones I represent, the the labels, aren't actually that big in Australia. So like 140 employees here. So it was a very different structure to the television industry. I mean, Channel 10 had like 1,300 employees and it's not really that big a company either. So that was, and, and what does that mean for how the industry works? There's a lot of areas where I think, um, you know, the industry suffered a bit from having that lack of business corporate support around it. But on the other hand, it really allows creativity to flourish and relationships are so important and everybody knows everybody and, you know, um, things can get done really quickly, which is cool and you can't often do that. Innovation can happen really quickly, creative innovation. But so, yeah, so pluses and minuses, I would say. <laughs> good and Good and bad. You mentioned like uh, I feel like it must be for after we part we first crossed paths at the main stage event, which was about connecting brands to the music industry and um, taking on the role as the first female CEO in in, a, in an industry that you're mentioning lack diversity or la- not as many females in uh, positions of power. What are you hoping to is it to inspire others coming through, or what are you hoping to get out of? I guess, taking on that leadership role? Yeah, look, I've met an incredible number of women in the industry who are doing great things. It's not for lack of women or, you know, people from other representing or First Nations people or, you know, people from other um, minority groups. It's just those structures and bringing them to the seat at the table into the key decision-making roles. So, I mean, everybody wants to work in music, right? It's such a desirable industry to work in. It's, and, you know, obviously it's fun, it's high profile, it's, 
you know, you get to have a pretty good lifestyle in many ways. So getting in is really hard. So the, the decision makers and the gatekeepers have a lot of power. Um, so for me, I think it's about, well, A, sort of showing that you can be a strong female leader, but also doing everything I can to get people into those roles and to just, you know, bring people into the room who, who aren't in the room that I'm in, introducing people to people, um, you know, providing education development services and things to, if, if that's what's needed, often it's not, you just, just need a sort of opportunity, you don't need more experience. Um, so, yeah, and just supporting women and other people who haven't had the access that some that men have had, I suppose. And how do you, like, are you consuming lots of content while you're, while you're like, I'm sure you're learning heaps, but I'm, I'm sure there's lots of things you can learn online and all that sort of stuff and learn from other people. Um, yeah. What's it been like working sort of in it and learning other skills outside of that as well? Um, yeah, it's been pretty full on. I think, you know, not many people get to completely change industry um, in their careers and also um, coming into a new job where I had no baggage, I guess. So I mentioned, you know, I said before, everybody in music knows each other and they really do, but nobody knew me and I didn't know anybody else or very few people. So there was no preconceptions or anything. So that's been really cool. Um, there's a lot to absorb, but it's been fun because, you know, the best way to learn is when you're interested and enjoying something, right? Um, and for me, the best way to learn has been talking to people and asking them to explain things to me, like how does it work? How does the money flow through the industry? Where do brands come in? You know, how do you monetize your art? Um, all of that sort of stuff. So for me, just sort of trying to suck information out of people. I think if you ask many people in the industry, they'll tell you about the conversations we've had where it's like, so how do you make money or, you know, what does, a, what does a manager do? You know, some basic sort of questions. And people have been very open, which has been great. Um, but, yeah, I just wish more people outside of music knew this stuff as well because it's just really interesting. Coming from a media background, I feel like there'd be lots of crossovers or transferable skills where, like, media and music sort of go hand in hand around people. It Was that what drew you or really opened the door for, for the, the gig? Yeah, I mean, it's all content, right? And content is so important now. Like you guys are producing amazing content through through this podcast. Um, there's convergence of music and content and I mean, in gaming or in television or film or whatever, streaming. So the thing I think I brought with me was understanding the value of content and premium content in particular, because that's what television is does. It sells premium content to advertisers in exchange for big audiences. So, um, you know, music is absolutely premium content. And the, and the other great thing about music is it's not a subsidised business model, right? So Australian film and Australian television, the government puts a lot of money into it because it wouldn't really stand on its own two feet, whereas music is a really strong commercial operation. Um, so that really interested me. And, like, how do we raise the profile of, well, how do we raise the value of music even further so we get more money flowing back to artists? Um, how do we raise the profile of the industry so we get more influence? And, you know, for example, if, you know, we need more assistance, like through COVID, people will listen to us more. All of those sorts of things really attracted me. And I thought, I've got all these skills, you know, I'm interested to see how I can help, I guess. Um, and then the technology side as well. So having worked at Channel 10, which went on a real roller coaster of, you know, success and failure and whatever, we went into administration, for example, at one point, you know, 
we did a lot of work around the business model, around strategy, um, how do we keep the business afloat, how do we adapt to new technology, and all of that is transferable, I think, to this industry. So, yeah, that was exciting. You mentioned about getting brands attached to this and building building influence and, and building credibility in this space. Um, we mentioned it before, like we touched on it before about the where we initially crossed paths at the main stage event, which was around connecting brands to the music industry. Why do you think it's such a good fit? Well, because people are so engaged with music and, you know, all the advertising research shows that if you get more engagement, you get more, you know, people are more likely to respond to your advertising or, or your brand and engage with your brand. So, you know, you couldn't find anything that's more ubiquitous in people's lives than music as if we took, you know, it's all around you, either by choice because you're listening to it, um, you know, through your AirPods or whatever, or you're in a supermarket and you can hear music or you're at a cafe or whatever. It's everywhere. And it also touches on all age demographics, um, all genres of music, like, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young, what your taste is, there's music for you. Um, and I just think that that connection between sort of consumers and an artist and their music just creates such a strong connection. And for brands to be a part of that, there's just inherent value just in being a part of that strong connection. When did you start learning about content? Was it in the copywriting days when you realised that was so important and then you sort of went down a rabbit hole? I think it's like, I mean, what is copy? Copyright is a really kind of hard area of the law to understand. It's really complicated. Even like having worked in it for my whole career, I still it goes out of my head and I still need people to explain it to me again sometimes or bits of it um, because basically you're putting a property right on something that is intangible. So it's not like a car or a, I don't know, a phone. It's something that doesn't actually exist in tangible form. So how do you put a value on that? Um, but yeah, as soon as you, you know, people put a lot of their time and energy and talent into creating something, there is value in it and they should get, you know paid for that when it is used either you know in business which is what we do with ppca or um you know for other commercial purposes so yeah copyright is the whole basis i guess underpinning the whole music industry business model even though it is really hard to understand sometimes <laughs> what about the rise of like the creator economy or people like things like patreon and like people how how, how can i guess what i'm trying to get out is what are your thoughts around some of the, the trends like that that's popping up around trying to help support independent artists or people get more credibility and recognition for the work that they do? Yeah, it's like, again, it's that direct connection, right? Like you find a podcast or you find some content that you love and because a lot of it's so niche as well, like you can find, if you've got an interest in anything, you can find your content source of that niche, right? Um, so I think Patreon's a great example. You're directly supporting someone, not because you necessarily have to but because you feel you do genuinely value what they're doing and you want to support them to do that um, it's definitely a part of the artist's kind of toolkit I guess of being able to earn an income but um, you know at the moment the you know vast majority of um, an artist's income is from touring um, a bit from merch and then a bit from streaming so touring is really and and variations I guess on touring in terms of what we've seen during the pandemic like live streaming concerts and stuff um that's going to be the area where we sort of need to focus in to bring that revenue back in for for artists so they can keep doing what they what they're good at and what they love doing well when you're exploring that sort of stuff how hard do you get like the live streams are you looking internationally you're looking at what other people are doing and seeing how they're getting an engagement 
audience and trying to, you know, make that transition as easy and as cool as possible. What was the research phase like then? Yeah, I mean, it's it was, I mean, the pandemic, like COVID was such a weird situation, wasn't it? When we're in lockdown and like people attach themselves to different things. Like I remember I watched this every night, this French DJ would do a set for an hour and it just became a thing that I did every day during the first lockdown. And when he stopped doing it, it was almost like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now, you know? So, you've, again, it's about that connection thing. But some models are going to work and be around for a while, and I think others, you know, may have been more for streaming. So I guess the idea of you have a live show and then do you also sell the add-on of, you know, 25 bucks to be able to watch the show remotely for a week or something? How does that business model work? Because that's really great for artists to be able to get to, you know, regional areas or overseas or whatever. Like I'd love to, you know, I would love to. Um, I think Rufus is streaming on TikTok for Oz Music Month, one of their shows, um, which is another really interesting sort of thing. Um, I don't think it'll ever replace going to a live show, but, you know. You did one the other day, didn't you? Well, I saw Tycho on, uh, he played a virtual event, but it feels like you're going to the show. Like you say, like, are yeah. you going to the show that night, you know, or did you miss the show? It's the same sort of language yeah. you know what I mean yeah and that was like I mean it was really Splendor XR was really interesting as well I don't know if you saw that um that yeah. felt like you know all around the country we were all like oh you're gonna watch it you're gonna watch it and um you know I think they did an incredible job of doing something under really difficult circumstances and of course it depended a bit on the technology you had like I didn't have the full virtual reality experience so I didn't get to dance my avatar around but I still really enjoyed <laughs> watching watching all the you know different um, performances. So, yeah, look, there's always more business models. I mean, I think gaming is just super interesting. Um, there are real opportunities for artists there to earn decent money through, you know, through these collaborations, I guess they are. Um, but, yeah, lots to learn. I think, I think you know, the industry needs to invest a bit more time in thinking about what's coming at us because streaming kind of happened to the music industry it wasn't something that was developed out of music um, and it's great that it's there but we don't we want the next thing to be us you know choosing it control. and controlling it and you know um, exploiting it I guess because so. yeah, when that whole thing come up uh, music was like no we're not doing this and fighting sort of against it because they didn't come up with it and it sort of just happened but now yeah. you're saying you just need to be able to like let's actually see what's going on and make a calculated move and that benefits exactly. us all Exactly. And that's what other industries do. Um, so we should absolutely be doing that as well. You've you, you really got a bit of a baptism of fire with you know, the start of COVID, <laughs> entering the music industry in the middle of a pandemic. You mentioned, in, yeah. you mentioned that um, majority of, of income for musicians or people in this industry come from touring. What are you most excited about now that people are able to get back into venues and see live gigs again and people to get out there and experience? Start sweating. Start sweating. Start sweating. Oh, I mean, you know, we've got so many big major international tours announcing and have announced over the last few weeks for next year. Um, but we've also got greater Aussie acts coming back um, and touring. I mean, Kid Leroy is touring next year. Um, Rufus is, I think their pre-sale went nuts yesterday or whenever it was, you know, a few days ago um, recently. So, there's just going to be an absolute plethora of choices. You know, it's going to be like, what do I go to? We, do we have the stamina anymore? That's the thing I'm worried about. Like, um, how are we going to be able to go to all these all these amazing gigs? It's just going to be amazing. It's just going to be huge. Like, we're doing um, 
Aria is doing Great Southern Nights in New South Wales in March next year, which will be a whole bunch of gigs across um, New South Wales, which will be really exciting. And I think that'll be one of the, I thought it was going to be one of the first ones to really come back in a big way. But now, you know, I think promoters and people in the industry, they just want to get back to work. And so they are really hustling to get gigs on as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, I would just like build up your stamina and get out there and buy those tickets because it's going to be amazing. And can you just imagine, like, if you're an artist and you haven't performed for 18 months and you're back on stage, like, that's going to be incredibly special, I reckon. Plenty of new songs. Um, are you are you going to go to Great Southern Nights? Are you going to do the whole thing and just check out as many as you can? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there every night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous, to be honest. I'm going to get an I miss the gigs too. Like, honestly, I miss... There's nothing that can replace it, really. Like, I know there's the technology and stuff, but... They're actually going to a gig and seeing it, witnessing there and being there. It's just fucking, I just want it loud. Well, you talk about this a lot, about like what music is for you. And you always talk about like the soundtrack of your life and the experience. Well, it's the memories attached and the feelings attached to stuff. Nostalgia vibes, it just reminds you of things. So I feel like when I hear a song, it takes you back to a certain point in your life. So it's like, I don't know, that's why I think it's so important to society and culture, you know, because it definitely helps with that sort of stuff. It just like, you know, if you watch an amazing piece of television, the key thing about it or one of the absolutely key things about it will be the soundtrack that's attached to it, like the song or the music. It just makes you feel like not many things in the world can give you goosebumps, um, but music is one of the things that absolutely can. And you're right, it's about memories. Like you remember those amazing shows that you went to, um, when who you were with, you know, what the songs were, whatever. It doesn't go away and nothing can replace that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a really cool industry to be in. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, yeah. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't take Robbie to a gig because he's the most annoying person ever. He just oh, no. what he, do has, you do? he has two beers and he just starts wagging the tongue and doing the devil's <laughs> hands. At Leon Bridges, chill out, huh? Hey, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm having some fun. You, you know. <laughs> oh, anyway. Hey, well, I think you got awards are coming yeah. up. What's what's different this year? What are you excited about? Who's going to take him out? Uh, we are, oh, there's many things to be excited about. I'm just super excited about the nominees this year. Um, it's such a cool bunch of, um, you know, diverse artists, and I mean diverse in every way. It's like you've got young emerging artists, you've got established artists, you've got artists from amazing different backgrounds, First Nations artists. It's really cool. Um, we're doing a digital-only show this year on YouTube, 7.30 on the 24th of November. Um, and the reason for that is with, with COVID and everything, we weren't able to put on a full event with people in the room and stuff. So we decided early on, okay, let's just make the decision, go with YouTube. Um, YouTube's a major partner for the, for the awards. Um, but it gives us the opportunity to do things a bit differently than, you know, if we were on free to air TV. So we can play with the performances a bit more. We can be a bit more, um, you know, cheeky perhaps around the, the vibe and the feel of it. Um, we're going to have a really strong um, First Nations sort of theme through it. I mean, not only do we have incredible First Nations artists um, who are going to be nominated, who are nominated and performing, but, um, you know, we want to make sure that that the incredible culture that First Nations people have brought to music is reflected in the show this year. Um, and, yeah, I just, I think it'll just be great to be celebratory about music. And even though we've been in lockdown, people have been making amazing music um, we just want to congratulate them, celebrate, be joyous and happy. It's going to have a very happy, inclusive, positive vibe um, and make people feel good again because it's been a pretty difficult time. So, 
let's bring joy back to people through music. That's what the aim of the show is this year. Oh, is Kylie Minogue going to come in and sweep through and, and snatch some awards here or not? She loves snatching awards, doesn't she? I would love that. We'll see. We'll see. What about your own personal favourites, music-wise? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I am loving Rufus de Sol at the moment. Um, Psycho, Alice Sky, I've been listening to um, a bit. And, you know, I suppose uni days, I was pretty sort of indie Indie, Indian rave, I suppose. <laughs> Indian dance music. Um, You're a bit of a raver back in the day. Like, you did you go to the pure hard dance sort of setups and all that I, sort of stuff? I was a bit, yeah. So I lived in Canberra, so I spent a lot of time on the highway up to Sydney in my little Mazda three two three with my mates. Drive up, go to something, drive home, or sleep in the botanic gardens sometimes. Wow. Um, <laughs> Glow sticks, everything, the works. Yeah, whistles. Whistles. It was the early days of raving. Oh. Um, well, tell us about the scene, the raving scene. I watched a documentary on, I think it was Vice, and it was cool because it was just how it come from, like I remember like the early Prodigy stuff and that was a bit different to rave, but I mean like that sort of incorporated the Rocky sort of side where I saw. Honestly, like before, um, before the sort of mid-90s, I guess, you just didn't hear dance music around in the mainstream that much you didn't hear the beat you didn't like there was there had been obviously had been around for a long time um but it wasn't mainstream at all and I just remember sort of in the mid 90s or a bit later even hearing dance music in ads you know and just thinking wow that's like really weird whereas now it's everywhere um so yeah it was so I saw the Prodigy in Canberra um, when they came out, which was pretty, in a really small venue. The benefit of growing up in Canberra or being in Canberra was you'd see amazing artists in small venues. Um, they were absolutely bonkers, but it was, it was great. But, yeah, you'd drive up to Sydney, you'd somehow have found out where this thing was. It was not a big commercial thing. There'd be some black and white little piece of paper and then you go out. I don't even know where because I don't know where I was in Sydney because I didn't live here at the time. But somewhere, it literally, it was the old warehouse cliché go there everyone's wearing the flares and the room you know it was just fun and it had a really nice vibe like people were happy and they were nice to each other and it was a very sort of you know la, la, la. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if i had a time machine i'd love to go back to that oh uh, how good we go back to before like social media and technology oh, just go i'm thinking fun no no one's calling me no one's notified like no notifications well, it's just fun you had um austin um, Howes on the other the other day and i just reckon them clubs you know when they're dancing around in the in the 70s disco uh, thing, the 60s thing that just looked like man i want to be there if I could go back, I'd go back to disco days, yeah, in New York or London or something. I just, I mean, I love disco as well, but everything about it, most things about it. The whole anti-disco backlash was so weird. Yeah. Um, What's the go with that? A good song's a good song. Oh, totally, totally. Anyway. One of the changes to this year's Arias is that there's no gender in the awards. What's the go there? Let's get into that. Yeah, so we decided to get rid of best male and best female and go with best artist. Um, the primary reason for that is because we felt that male and female excluded a whole category of artists, which is non-binary artists, which did not feel right for music. Music's meant to be inclusive and um, we wanted to rec- be able to recognise all of our artists and we have some great artists who are non-binary, um, including people who've had number one albums this year. So um, that was the main thing. But then the other thing is, you know, it seems a bit quaint to have in this day and age categories for male and female in something like music, which is not exactly, you know, it's not something that you have different physical capabilities to do or anything. It's just sort of, um, 
So we wanted to put everybody on an equal platform and just say, you know, this is the best artist, whether you're male, female, non-binary, we want to pick the best artist. So that was the reason. The Grammys did it in 2012, so, um, and the VMAs are all non-gendered. The Brits are a bit sort of struggling with the decision at the moment. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty easy decision, I have to say. Oh, less, make, less trophies makes sense yeah less trophies cost yeah it's a cost saving cost saving <laughs> <laughs> how was it received what was what's the feedback been so far look it's been incredibly positive um people have you know even conservative commentators who are sort of you know anti-woke or whatever um they were sort of saying yeah it makes sense because when you explain it logically it makes sense i think there's been a bit of a concern you know is this taking away the opportunity for five women nominees to be showcased and I think that's a valid question like the last thing we want is to showcase less or fewer female artists so we need to keep an eye on that but I don't think that having a female artist category is going to fix underlying structural issues in the industry it hasn't worked so far so um, you know we need to make sure that we sort of address those issues underlying female representation Um, but yeah it's been really well received overall which is great. You're shaking shit up and I love it. (laughs) Well, that's the cool thing. Like the industry's ready for it as well. Like I have sort of come in and people have said to me, just do, just do it. Mm. Um, And I have, I mean, and I can, not just me, obviously I'm doing it with the board and with a lot of support, but um, when you've given that kind of, you know, permission to change things up a bit and look at things with fresh eyes, it's really liberating actually. Love it. One of the sponsors for the Arrows this year is, is Heaps Normal, which is probably yeah. a good segue into our, our question. Oh, well done, Rob. Thanks. You've done that well. You've yeah. thinking about that for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very a professional. <laughs> so uh, uh, Heaps Normal, sponsor of our show, non, non-alcoholic beer. The question we ask all our guests is, what is the thing that you turn to when you're looking like you need some energy back in your life and you're feeling like you need your batteries recharged? Oh, my batteries recharged. I mean, travel would have been my usual answer. I, I love traveling. Um, Where's some of your favorite places that you've been? I mean, I love going to Asia. I love going to Thailand. I love going to Mexico. Um, I don't really care. I'll go anywhere, but I do love Asia. Um, the usual thing, I don't know. I like going out and seeing friends. I've really missed that during the lockdown, I think. It's really noticeable when you don't have those sort of mental breaks to be able to hang out with your friends, go out to dinner, go to gig, go to the theatre, go travelling. You just, I don't know, I found that really, really difficult. So, um, yeah, those are having a drink with your friends. Like, it's hard to beat that, really. 100%. No, I feel you. Even just like seeing family and stuff, you know, family. down here, it's been pretty hard with us seeing like our family back in Melbourne and stuff. And just having that, we just feel it straight away, instant like recharge for the next week. And it's like, you just feel. Well, actually, I feel you. I've felt that at the day, but then now I was, yeah, I was, I was so tired from socialising. I'm not used to <laughs> talking and stuff. Like, I was like, I'm so tired. I need it from I know it's so true. Now we need a holiday from seeing our friends. Yeah, and the I mean the other thing is like I love going down to the beach, going down to the ocean, and you know just having a look at the waves and stuff. I just think it's gorgeous. So nice to be able to live close to the ocean. What are you watching? What am I watching? Um, I was watching um, uh, Ted Lasso, like everybody in the whole bloody universe. Um, I just, the thing I love about Ted Lasso, it's like it's a world where people can be nice and treat people well and it works. And it's just, I love Ships Creek for the same reason. You know, that is the world the way we'd like it to be. People are accepting of each other. They love it. You know, they look after each other. 
Um, yeah, oh, there's so much on at the moment. I'm a, uh, my trash TV is below deck. I have to say, I don't know if you've seen it. It's um, that's like the Goss show on the deck, isn't it? And they're all are they they're all going a cruise thing, and they they're, it's a reality they're like show, working yeah. on a motor yacht, and they have to work. You know, there's like twelve of them, guys and girls, and they it's every season it's the same thing. They work really hard. The guests are annoying. They fight. Someone falls off the boat. You know, the captain gets cross. Blah blah blah, but I don't care. I just I'm just like nom nom nom. Give me more. I want to see all of it. What is it about reality? <laughs> I would also TV? like to be Why on a yacht. Yeah, oh. you, you know it. You've been there. You're in the industry. For why do people love reality TV so much? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like junk food for your brain. I think. Um, I just feel like like you see like actors and that, and you're like now you sort of know that they're actors, and that, like with your reality TV, when you see someone's like heartbreak, you're like their heart actually broke in that moment you know i don't know if it makes it more authentic but it's it's a bit cruel you want to see it yeah. i watch love island and i'm like oh his heart just broke then it's like ralph in in the simpsons you know <laughs> yes well you know channel 10 of course has all the bachelor franchises um yeah. you know which has produced some babies like you know there are some real relationships that have come out of that show um which is great 100 percent would you, love you go, love. would you go on The Bachelor if you didn't have Tiles? Nah. Or if Tiles wasn't, I reckon, actually, if you weren't lucky enough to have Tiles, yeah, that's a better way of rephrasing it. I reckon I'd be like <laughs> Big Brother, I reckon. Big Brother. Big brother. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Would you? What would you go on? Any reality show if you could pick yep. one? None. No, none. No way. Forget about it. Never going to happen. You could be Celebrity. What is it? Celebrity Apprentice or something like that? Or <laughs> one of them ones? You could do that, couldn't you? Yeah, the one with Donald Trump. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. like... No TV. Learnings behind the camera. <laughs> what about like learnings or inspirations, whether it's in, in the industry, outside the industry? What are some of the things that you're looking to, whether it's like, are you a, a reader, watch YouTube conversations? How do you learn and what are you looking at to absorb at the moment? Um, I do read a lot. Um, I love reading articles about, you know, it sounds so boring. I love, I'm really interested in leadership manage you know technique and um I kind of am naturally quite a sort of an empathetic person and I suppose in my earlier career that sort of skill wasn't really valued that much it was more like you've got to be hard ass you've got to be you know blah 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 um whereas now I think people are realizing gee what a surprise you actually get better results from people if you treat them with empathy and kindness and understand where they're coming from um, so I'm really interested in all of that sort of stuff and how we can just do things better. Um, and yeah, I love, you know, listening to speeches by people who have done that or are inspiring or have done amazing things, no matter how old or young they are. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I try, I'm pretty, like my, I have pretty busy. I've got two daughters, teenage daughters and a, a dog and a house and a job it's really full-on so I'd kind of just kind of snatch a podcast I listen to podcasts I love podcasts in the car or whatever at the gym so yeah there's so much out there now like you can just be listening constantly <laughs> we flood the news feed so there's yeah. definitely some funny business content out there we spam that but I'm, ever since we honestly first met you just stood out as someone different you know you come across certain cats and they're all sort of act the same way but you genuinely come across really authentic and you know, some of the answers, even when we did do the initial gig, you just gave us a real incredible insight and, you know, we, we fucking love it. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I just, I can't be bothered pretending to be something else. And I just feel like people, you know, you get, you, you get better results if you are authentic. So, yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And you guys are doing amazing things. Um, so congratulations. 
Hey, Al Bradford, what do you think? Look, to be honest, I thought we were all on that episode. I, thought, I feel like we were all on the same wavelength and she gave some unreal answers and, and advice and just an insight into her role at the moment. I mean, what a fucking tough time to be in the music industry and how she's been able to navigate her way through and um, some of the things she's implemented I think is really cool. She's She just does what she wants and I fucking love it. Yeah, excited to see where it goes and and, uh, and see what happens next, especially with the awards coming up, who who takes them home. Can we get – is there people's choice that we – have we been nominated for no, something? we haven't like been that? nominated. But it's just very interesting that we haven't been yet so far. Maybe – do we nominate ourselves? Maybe we'll talk to her. Maybe we can get some podcasting. <laughs> some up. specialty, like it's like the award they give for the participation award to the, the kids, you the, know? The funny business award, I reckon. That's hey. like the Coaches Award, you know, your favourite, really. <laughs> hey, if you're new to the pod, we drop guest episodes Monday, Thursday. Snacks pods, you know, they come at you hot. Tuesday, Wednesday, Hot or Night drops Friday. And a new segment, Funny Business Recommends. I don't know when that drops yet, but it drops during the week at some time. So we've got pods all the time.